from somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. I fought the Facebook law and I beat the Facebook law. How about that for a song? Uh, I am the aforementioned host, Mike. Uh, Usually my co-host, my wife, Ginny, with us. Flying solo tonight. Uh, Kind of a long, stressful weekend for her. She just wanted to take five, which I understand. Everything's cool. Um, we, We had chicken fajitas for dinner tonight, which meant... I had my plate plus the girls because they, they don't eat their dinner. That's their loss, but uh, very tasty stuff. And, of course, my wife's downstairs taking it easy with the girls. The boys next door, hopefully, hopefully sleeping. And hopefully it'll be just you and me here for the next 30 or so minutes. If I can go that long. Huh, that's what she said. That's that's a pretty bad radio joke right there. Um, but uh, something pretty good about radio. Well, this is uh, this is bittersweet, actually. Uh, I don't know if she's listening or not, but uh, a big shout out and congratulations to one Jessica Green, uh, real name Jessica Funk. Jessica Funk could have been a, a radio name, but they went with Green for some odd reason. Uh, that was something that she and um, the, the guy that hired her, Alan James, uh, kind of discussed years back. But uh, just wrapping up 12 years down at Kokomo as the uh, morning show co-host at Z92.5, the face of the radio ranch. Uh, worked with her for about uh, half of that. I can't believe, I can't believe she was there for uh, 12 years, but she was. Did a very good dro- job, and uh, she is moving on from the radio industry. Hopefully a little less stressful, because uh, when I left, she became operations manager of that cluster, and then recently of uh, the Marion cluster, so she, she had her hands full. But uh, 12 years on air down in Kokomo, that ain't a small task, so Jess, uh, you are a great co-worker, a great boss, and I, I hope uh, nothing but the best for you in the future, and uh, it it truly is radio's loss, because it's another it's another great talent leaving that industry. I've got, I've got a huge rant about that, and I've given a little bit of that uh, before, but I'm not going to, but Jess just has the, uh, had the opportunity to step aside on her own, something that I wasn't even afforded. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, Jess, uh, everything's cool with you and uh, your future's nothing but success because uh, you're pretty damn good down in Kokomo. Uh, and again, one of the one of the few one of the many people uh, that I, I consider a friend in this business. Now, let's talk about Facebook jail, because um, yesterday I was thrown in Facebook jail. I'm recording this Sunday night. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I actually got out of Facebook jail early. And what happened was, um, if you know anything about the Mike Davidson Facebook page, it's basically a bunch of uh, highbrow memes and even higherbrow stories that I like to link up with uh, with my opinion. And uh, one story in particular from The Sun, British tabloid, and you already know this is going to get a little risque because uh, that is nothing but a classy publication right there, uh, The Sun. Uh, they ran a story about a gentleman who was uh, a little despondent about all these women making fun of his small member. And uh, he, he has a small member, but a large enough bank account to extend said small member to a whopping four inches long. That was the story. He had surgery to extend his wiener to four inches. I think the average male is uh, 5.3, 5.5. 
not not aroused, not ready for business, four inches. And so I link up that story, and uh, usually when you link up something on Facebook or Twitter, there's like a thumbnail picture, so you get kind of the gist of what the story's about. And the thumbnail in question was uh, a naked dude, basically from the waist down, covering up his member with his hands. You see a little bit of the pubic line, not too terribly much, but it wasn't all that terrible. So basically I shared the story with the, the line. Uh, still not uh, big enough to be the album cover for an alternative rock band. Hat tip to uh, Nirvana Baby Penis, still trying to sue the band out there. Uh, so I posted that. And I usually schedule a lot of the stuff uh, I do for the weekends ahead of time, so I'm not dealing with it on my weekend, because I got enough crap to deal with. And then, like, hours later, I check the Facebook page. Oh, you've uh, you've been flagged. And you can't post anything for 24 hours, and you can't talk to anybody for two or not for two days. And they showed a picture of this, and I immediately challenged it. I said I didn't agree with this, and I guess uh, uh, what flagged me was probably one of those uh, scanners saying, "Uh-oh, somebody's showing themselves." This is obviously porn. It's not porn. I'm not a porn dog. I'm not somebody that's uh, into sharing things like that. Although, if I can make jokes about genitalia, I will. So, I, I, <laughs> so I um, just said, hey, I don't agree with this. And then I woke up this morning, Sunday, and they said, uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've uh, reinstated your account. You're good to go. Sorry for the inconvenience. But this, not ironically, I want to sound like a prude. Because the picture in the joke in uh, question, to me, pretty PG-13. I have seen things, and I'm not one of these uh, misinformation phobes that sees something on Facebook and goes, oh, well, hell, we got to ban this so people can be smart or something. It, but I see all sorts of conspiracy memes, left and right. I see all sorts of profane jokes. Hell, I posted something about Paps Blue Ribbon in the, their eat ass comment on Twitter last week. Didn't get flagged. This picture got me flagged. It's always something that you don't expect you, you to get flagged. That gets you flagged. The things that I think I'm going to get flagged, nobody gives a flying crap about. But that picture did. But I was able to challenge it, and I won. And so uh, the Mike Davidson Facebook page keeps on rolling with stupid memes and stupid stories. And uh, some of these stories uh, are, are relevant. I'll give you that. Maybe not the Tiny Dodger story here. But uh, that is back up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page if you want to look at it. The story, that is, not the actual member. Although, I got to say, if this dude's got enough money to extend his penis in terms of size, even that little of a size, uh, he's got enough money to keep the girls quiet because I, I can't imagine that surgery being cheap. Unless, of course, he got some of that sweet COVID money from, uh, from a corrupt government. But again, that story up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Now, uh, speaking of relevant... Uh, I really didn't get a chance to talk about this last week because he had just passed away about an hour or two before uh, we started recording. But Bob Saget, of course, dying at the age of 65. And I think the coroner found they died in the sleep of a heart attack. So it was uh, kind of pe it was peaceful. Like, he didn't feel anything. You know, and, uh, of course, a very shocking thing. And uh, everyone from Dave Chappelle to uh, his uh, former co-host, uh, co co-star, uh, John Stamos from uh, Full House, like, just, you know, 
on Twitter. Like, John Stamos was talking about how, like, he misses uh, tweeting him back and forth and everything and uh, texting each other. And, it, you know, that's, that's kind of a cool thing, even though I was never really a big Full House guy. Because I had mentioned, you know, with, with Jess, uh, my radio friend, uh, you know, I made some pretty good friends down in Kokomo, and there are a couple people at the old place that I used to work up uh, here in Fort Wayne that I'll occasionally talk to, that I miss talking to. And if you get a chance to have coworkers like that who are who are cool, I mean, you, you honor them. And uh, apparently the, uh, the crew on the set of Full House pretty cool with each other except the Olsen twins because they were there just to say, my doggy eat my ice cream and then, uh, you know, roll around in hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, but um, Rob Rip, the announcer for this podcast, uh, he actually knew somebody, I think. We were talking about this years ago. Uh, that knew Bob Saget, like in the late 80s, early 90s, and this was when Bob Saget was doing Full House. He was also the uh, the host of America's Funniest Home Videos, and I don't think a lot of people realized, like they do now, that Bob Saget's actual stand-up act a little on the blue side, and uh, and Bob was getting very despondent about that, apparently, according to the story, because he was just like, you know, I'm doing this kid show, I'm doing this uh, this other show where people think it's funny to get hit in the crotch all the time, you know, I want to do my other things, and I guess this comedian friend of Rob's who knew him just said, hey man, you're having way more success than a lot of stand-up comedians have ever had. In fact, you're having the success that a lot of uh, stand-up comedians dream about. Even if it isn't the most ideal situation, you have found success. So just, you know, sit back and enjoy it. And I, I guess he took that advice to heart. And, of course, eventually, Bob did break out at once Full House went away in, in his stand-up routines. And, of course, people were exposed to him and uh, his raunchier sense of humor with uh, his cameo in Half-Baked and uh, directing Dirty Work with Norm MacDonald. And, of course, he also narrated uh, How I Met Your Mother. So, I mean, he was always going to find success. But, yeah, you get kind of pigeonholed into the uh, TV dad thing. I can understand that being a little frustrating, but you're still making money. You're still doing all right. <laughs> it's a lot better than the alternative, which would be not making any friggin' money and not being successful. But uh, Bob had a lot of friends, and I'm sure uh, going to be well-missed among those friends. And they say, and everybody's saying that Bob Saget, you know, behind the mic, behind the stage, very cool guy, very friendly guy. So uh, that's our hat tip to him right there. Now, um, this has been a frustrating week for me as a football fan, as an Indianapolis Colts fan. Because no, I I never watched one episode of Hard Knocks on HBO because I don't have HBO, and uh, I really don't need to know everything that goes on. In the locker room, uh, and I'm not really big in the reality TV. I mean, I'll, I'll Wednesdays get the chance to sit down with my wife and watch uh, uh, what's that show? Um, uh, Married at First Sight on Lifetime because my wife loves that, and she allows me to make smart ass comments about these people because these people are insane. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I imagine that uh, the last couple episodes of Hard Knocks on HBO were not too great because the Colts. Uh, before the Las Vegas Raiders game uh, a couple weeks back, had a 96% chance of getting into the playoffs. 96% chance. Of course, then they lost, and then the, the Jags were on the horizon. 
uh, anywhere from an 84 to 89% chance of getting in the playoffs, and they just crapped the bed there in Jacksonville. It was a terrible loss. They were, I don't know how they were 15-point favorites against Jacksonville. I mean, I know the Colts uh, are the better team than Jags suck butt, but uh, the, the last time those two teams met, the Colts only beat them by six at home. So if the Colts were going to be a favorite, I would think, okay, maybe, maybe by a touchdown. That wasn't even in the cards for them. But it kind of gets to what I've always been saying when it comes to court, uh, football teams, or at least the last however long it's been since Peyton Manning was an Indianapolis Colt. Quarterback play matters. And there was this uh, kind of when, when the Colts got rid of him to get Andrew Luck, they were kind of disparaging the Star Wars numbers, only getting one Super Bowl to Indy. Yo, we only got one Lombardi with all those numbers as if it wasn't enough or something. Uh, but, I mean, if you were to take the combined efforts of the Matt Painter, Dan Orlovsky, Andrew Luck, Matt Hasselbeck, Jacoby Brissett, uh, Philip Rivers, and Carson Wentz, how many Super Bowls have uh, the Colts won since that, huh? That'd be a big, fat, flipping goose egg. And I think Carson Wentz, toward the end of the season, only was north of 225 yards once in one game. That doesn't win you games in the NFL. You have to have a good quarterback. Good quarterbacks matter, as uh, demonstrated by the college football championship down in deep this past Monday, where Georgia stunned Alabama. And uh, Stetson Bennett looked better than Alabama's quarterback. Of course, Stetson looked a little worse for wear the next morning, I think on Good Morning America when they interviewed him because he was uh, possibly still drunk. But hell, you know what? Ain't every day you win a national championship. So if he decided to drink champagne out of a stripper's slipper during that interview, you go, boy. (laughs) And by the way, the Red Garter, uh, I don't know if that's still open down in Indy, but uh, that's around where Lucas Oil Stadium is, or it should be anyway, so... Uh, but, you know, he, he played the better game, and they won. And uh, this past weekend, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals won their first playoff game in, like, forever, ever. They've got Joe Burrow, who himself won a national championship in college. He's a good quarterback. Uh, the Bills friggin' curb stomped the Patriots Saturday night. And, yes, I enjoyed that. That, that was my Super Bowl this year. Um, Josh Allen... Looked amazing. He he put his foot on the accelerator and said, no, we're not going to give you guys a chance to regroup. We're going to stuff this down your throats like you have done to this franchise for the past two decades. But again, quarterback play friggin' matters. And Carson Wentz isn't the answer. So if you're a football fan, doesn't matter who your team is, get a friggin' quarterback. That's all I really have to say about that. Um, and for those who uh, saw Andrew Luck in Indy Monday night saying, oh, we need to get him back. He hasn't been in football for three, four years. I don't think he ever wants to get back to football. I don't think he even wants to touch a football. Let that go. Let that go. Uh, but again, uh, some of interesting comments from, I think, Steve Smith, wide receiver. Uh, that's up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page uh, if you want to take a look at that. So uh, the big controversy this past week. It's a controversy to others. To me, it's who gives a flying crap. Joe Rogan. People are still mad that uh, he's not buying into 
science, the science, as it's been coined the last two years. Uh, you know, he's got his podcast. It's widely listened to. It's on Spotify. By the way, this podcast is on Spotify. Not quite as widely listened to as Joe Rogan, mind you, but um, I'm hoping Spotify does for Joe Rogan what Netflix did for Dave Chappelle and said, hey, it's freedom of speech, because now we've got doctors who are so concerned that Joe Rogan isn't towing the, uh, the, the Dr. Fauci line. You know, not falling in line with, with Anthony Fauci's uh, preaching as to how to handle coronavirus that a whopping 260 doctors have signed a petition condemning him and uh, condemning Spotify for airing the podcast. 260. 260 doctors. Does that really sound like a lot to you? I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Northeast Indiana. We probably have more, double than 260 doctors in this town. Okay, I don't know what the exact doctor count is, but 260 is a drop in the friggin' bucket. That's some hospitals have more than 260 doctors. This is a this is a load of crap. Not necessarily because I agree with what Joe Rogan is saying, but. Because I believe in the First Amendment. And if these doctors truly believe that they are right, and what they're saying is right, and they make the argument, hey, get the vaccine, do whatever, and they're right, they shouldn't give a care what uh, Joe Rogan says. And for them to make this blanket decision for Joe Rogan's listeners, either supporters or detractors, is asinine. And I'm basing this on one simple principle you know yourself better than any doctor ever will. A doctor goes to school for many years to learn the basics of human anatomy to treat other humans. They know more about medicine than I do. I get that. But they don't know how heartburn feels to me when I have it, or when I have an earache, or when you have whatever ailment you have. Let me put it to you another way. You go to one doctor, and they say, You've only got six months to live. You've got stage four cancer. There's no hope. Just, just, there's no hope. Are you seriously going to buy what that one doctor told you? Or are you going to seek a second, a third, or a fourth opinion for a fighting chance? Maybe you go to another doctor and go, okay, it's not that bad stage two. We still have a lot to do. We're going to have to give you medicine, chemo, radiation treatments. Uh, you're going to have to do this, that. You go for a second opinion. You don't just buy into what one doctor says. That is the consumer economy. That is you fighting for your friggin' life, your very livelihood. So for this group of doctors to say, hey, Fauci's right, don't question it, that in itself is pretty much negating what a patient should do. Joe Rogan may be dead wrong on this, but you don't have to listen to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is not your dad, and neither are these 260 doctors. You know, they should be ashamed of themselves for even signing this petition. Because that, that in itself is killing debate. That in itself is killing science. It's not keeping anybody honest when you can't question it, right or wrong. Questions are how we get to the answers. And for the love of God... Stop doing this stuff. It's more divisive than what Joe Rogan's doing. Yeah, he's got a lot of listeners, but I don't think everybody listens to Joe Rogan. 
He's not trying to affect public policy. He's just questioning it. He doesn't have any pull in Washington like Dr. Fauci does. It's, that's what I find very concerning. And I found it very concerning when people wanted Netflix to take Chappelle off because they didn't like what he said. Well, I'm sorry. That's the First Amendment. If we keep doing this to people that we don't agree with, nobody's going to be able to say a damn thing. That's just scary as F. And, and, and by the way, how is it that Joe Rogan is getting the, getting the fifth degree here when the media has run rampant with COVID stories for the last two years and made more people paranoid than anything? I mean, there was a, a story last week, and I do believe this is linked up. You might have to do some digging on this on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, but a teacher... A teacher was going to a COVID testing site and got arrested because her 13-year-old son, who she thought had COVID, was locked in the trunk of the car. She didn't want to get it, but she locked her son, who may have had COVID, in the back of the friggin' trunk. You understand how airborne viruses work, right? Chances are, if it's in your household and if your kids have it, you've probably got it too. And she's acting like he contracted bubonic plague when, in fact, I don't know much about this kid's uh, medical history. There's a good chance that uh, he's going to recover. At least from the disease, the mental trauma, I have no idea. Again, a lot of people have been watching cable news and letting them do their thinking for him. But uh, it's, it's a little disheartening. <laughs> it makes you want to check out, maybe drink, maybe toke. I don't know. I'm not you. Uh, I don't know how do you relax, but... Uh, if you do toke, you might find this story funny. I, I find it quite humorous, and it is also linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. That is, until somebody flags it and takes it down. Um, illegal weed is making a comeback. In fact, it never went away, even when it was legalized. State of Oregon, not too long ago, a few years back, legalized growing marijuana. They're having trouble, though, in their more rural areas, with illegal marijuana. This was a Politico story, and God help me, yeah, I actually read a Politico story. They're talking about how people out in the woods of Oregon are hearing gunshots because some hills, some mountains are owned by people doing illegal grows. Some of them are locals. Some of them are from Israel. Some of them are from Mexico. Some of them are from Germany. They have people coming in from other countries buying up these hills so they can sell marijuana. And the thing is, they're blaming it on the federal prohibition of marijuana. There's a law saying that marijuana is illegal countrywide. And that if we got rid of it, just like with uh, getting rid of the uh, prohibition of alcohol, uh, that all this will go away. Well, I, I've, I've probably smoked pot a grand total of two times in my life. Once in college, once after college. Not for me. I, you know, it, for medicinal uses, no problem there. If you're just looking to kick back and relax on the weekend and it doesn't affect uh, me going to work Monday, I don't care what you do at home. That's fine. I'm not that big of a prude. Not that big of anyway. But what they fail to realize is if they get rid of the federal prohibition law, that's not going to get rid of illegal marijuana because it's the states wanting the tax revenue that are doing this. And it drives me nuts anytime a pro-pot activist goes, think of all the tax revenue this will generate for the state. or for... Because this is the same argument they have used for legalizing anything, like casinos. 
There's a casino down in Anderson, Indiana that does pretty well for itself. Doesn't really do a whole hell of a lot for the city of Anderson because there's like a liquor store on every friggin' corner in that town. Um, but but that's my point. Is like, where does the tax revenue go from all the other things we made legal? And the answer is politicians are spectacular when it comes to managing other people's money. And yet we keep acting like this doesn't happen. So now that you've got states legalizing marijuana and looking for that, uh, for that tax revenue, that drives the prices up. And of course, they're regulating how much THC or whatever else goes into the marijuana that is being grown by the legal growers, meaning it's not going to quite hit like the stuff you can find on the street. You're making a lesser product more expensive. Meanwhile, the guys that are growing this stuff illegally are making bank because they know their consumers, and their consumers know their buyer, kind of, sort of, most instances. Um, this is kind of a bastardized version of the free market at work here. And what's even more amazing is I remember back in the 80s and 90s, the war on drugs, just say no, and how the left kind of chastised Republicans for spending all this money to fight a drug trade because, you know, if you take down one cartel, another one's going to take its place. Fine, yeah, nature abhors a vacuum and somebody will see an opportunity. But what some of the uh, politicians in Oregon are doing, and Oregon, not necessarily a red state, mind you, they want to use the money raised, like $25 million, to fight illegal marijuana. <laughs> $25 million, I think, annually or something like that. They, they're basically kind of ignoring what they were saying back 20, 30 years ago. And, and again, if there is a vacuum, if there is a demand in the market, so to speak, someone's going to take advantage of that. And that's what's happening. What has to happen is, okay, we're not going to prosecute you for marijuana. Go nuts. Well, don't go nuts. Don't have your own murder mountain. I'm just, I'm just saying, if if you got the states out of it completely, you know, getting government out of it completely, it might be a little better. And maybe getting it out completely isn't necessarily something that they can do because you'll have people cutting grass with uh, something a little more potent. And I'm not talking just THC. You there will need to be some regulation, but. When you get into the game and you make the rules, somebody's going to find a way to bend the rules to it to pretty much make themselves a little more powerful. And by the way, speaking of Murder Mountain, that is a docu-series on Netflix that talks about, uh, in Northern California, some counties that have been dealing with that for like the last forever long. Pretty good documentary if you want to check that out. But uh, the story itself, the Politico story that somehow I read, is on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. And finally, I'm very, very jazzed about this. I don't know how feasible it is for me to go and enjoy this, but February 24th, I believe AMC Theaters will be showing special screenings uh, countrywide of The Godfather. The Godfather is 50 friggin' years old this year. One of the greatest movies ever devised, ever made in the history of mankind, The, God the Godfather, with... Uh, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, Diane Keaton, uh, and uh, James Caan, Robert Duvall hitting the theaters. And if you get a chance to see it, 
I would love you to go and see that. I don't know if I can do it because I work at a place with crazy ass hours. Uh, but it does remind me, and I think my wife, uh, and I, I kind of wanted her up here for this because uh, she's a fan of this podcast called We Hate Movies, and they have a, uh, a segment, I think, once a month where they uh, hit their mailbag, and they talked about how uh, a fan of theirs went to a special screening of The Godfather with his friends, and one of his friends brought their Jim Bro cousin who was talking throughout the entire friggin' movie. That, to me, is not a movie you talk all the way through. And I'm a pretty irreverent person. Um, I didn't watch Batman and Robin for 20-odd years because it sucked. My wife found it in the discount bin, bought it, brought it home, and we started ragging on that. I don't think I've ever, ever ragged on The Godfather because there's just no way in hell you can do it. I, to me, that's one of those movies like, if you hate that movie, you hate all movies, period. It's a work of art, and uh, I would love to see it. And uh, if you get a chance to see it on the big screen, let me know how that bastard looks because uh, I'll live vicariously through you, okay? Uh, but the story about that uh, up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, I think some uh, uh, 4K DVDs are going to be out for that too. You know, I do have the trilogy on DVD. <sighs> okay, I have the two good ones and the third one on DVD. Yeah, I, I, I kind of ignore the third one, as so should you. But, uh, might have to upgrade. Might have to. I think that's pretty much it. I've, I've rambled quite a bit on my own. I miss my wife. Uh, she'll be back next week, rested, ready to go. Until next week, have a great week ahead. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.